passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 187, for the love of the game, on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The sports calendar is absolutely jam-packed right now. College football just announced its four playoff teams. You're going to have tons of bowl games. NFL down the stretch of the regular season we go. NBA is in the thick of it. College basketball is in the thick of it. And you can find all the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your sports wagering information. Live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long, you name it, Bet Online has it. Whether it's basketball, as I mentioned, football, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf, Bet Online has you covered. Head to betonline.ag today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% on your first deposit, 50% of your money in free play. Bet Online, where the game starts with that said, episode 187. For the love of the game, let's get this work. Episode 187 for the love of the game with yours truly, ATH. It's Aaron Tobin has back in the studio, back behind the mic, coming to you on a Tuesday evening. And John Heyman already had to walk back an update about Aaron Judge going to the Giants. We're actually going to talk about some baseball free agency, specifically the Yankees and the Mets are the recurring guests in just a matter of moments. But a quick rundown of events. Until then, the college football playoff is set. Had a little bit of an interesting weekend this weekend. TCU lost, but they still got in the playoff. One lost team. USC lost again to Utah. Even though Utah is a really good team, the committee was not going to take a two-loss team. So the playoff format is set. At number one, we've got Georgia. At number two, we've got Michigan. Three, we've got TCU. And four, we have Ohio State. Even though Ohio State didn't play in a championship game, 
even though they didn't have to play the extra game, a one-loss team gets in. Nick Saban was campaigning hard for Alabama because their two losses were against top 10 teams at the time by a combined score of like six points or something like that, but it didn't matter. A one-loss team was getting in over a two-loss team from a Power 5 conference, so there you have it. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. It'll be interesting to see what happens if and when Georgia rolls Ohio State to see how the Ohio State fan base reacts. Just wanted to give a little bit of an update there because, you know, we had Jordan Marks on last week reveling in the fact that Ohio State was in shambles. Well, maybe this will add to those shambles or maybe it won't. I'm not 100% sure because I'm not super plugged in, but there's your college football playoff. Okay, to the NFL, specifically with the locals to start. The Giants at home tied the Washington Commanders 20-20. to I'm going to be totally honest. When the Giants got down 10-0, I was like, well, this is a wrap. Giants came back to their credit, went up 20-13, to gave up a monster fourth down conversion to lead to the touchdown pass with bad tackling, broken tackles all over the place. Going to overtime, I think they for sure are going to lose, especially after they had that three and out, quick three and out. I mean, the Darius Slayton drop was – enormous but the Giants tied 20 to 20. Kayvon Thibodeau was excellent. Daniel Jones moved around with his feet but I thought the play calling in certain spots was very very conservative not trying to win. I also thought that they were just so discombobulated on offense like their last six possessions they didn't score. They didn't score on their last six possessions, so it's hard to say that they deserved to win. They held on for a tie, and Brian Dable was clearly holding on for a tie. Now, I thought for their playoff chances, a tie was actually good for them. I know people were lamenting that it was a big-time lost opportunity, but they still have a game up on the Commanders in the lost column, and they still have a game up on the Seattle Seahawks in the lost column. And that's good, but it's all setting up for in two weeks when the Giants and the Commanders play in Washington. It's the biggest game of their season. The Giants are going to have to win that game. There's no two ways about it if they really want to make the playoffs. As for the New York Jets, 32-28 loss, no, 32-27 loss, excuse me, to the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Jets just didn't finish enough touchdown drives. You can't settle for that many field goals and expect to win. The Jets seem to have something with Mike White. I mean, he threw the ball all over the place, started out slow, but really picked it up towards the end, engineered what looked like could have been a major comeback, but Braxton Berrios drops a somewhat of a tough catch in the end zone, and the Jets just fall a little short. Jets have a tough schedule coming up. They got the Bills who are looking for revenge from – uh, the November game, Bills, I don't expect them to lose to the Jets twice. They got the Dolphins still, who I'm still pretty high on. It's going to be a tall task for the Jets to get in the playoffs right now. But they're in the mix, and the team clearly likes Mike White a hell of a lot more than Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson has been singing Mike White's praises. Elijah Moore has been singing Mike White's praises. Like, just look at the offense. They're moving the ball Passes are being completed. They're scoring points. 
Zach Wilson probably will never throw another pass for the Jets again. That's just the reality of the situation. But is Mike White the long-term answer for the Jets? I still think they're going to go a different direction in the offseason to be the starter. But, hey, he's a quality backup. That is clear. And who knows? Maybe he comes into the season as the starter. But the Zach Wilson era, that's for sure finished. A couple of other quick notes around the NFL. Bengals the Chiefs. Bengals beat the Chiefs again. Third straight time. Joe Burrow is now 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. I've been talking up Joe Burrow for a while. I said it even during his rookie year in a year where he tore his ACL. I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft class. I know that includes two on Justin Herbert. There has been nothing to suggest otherwise. I know Herbert puts up the gaudy numbers. I know he has the wow throws. But with the game on the line, I would take Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert 10 times out of 10 and twice on Sunday. Joe Burrow is just that guy. Like he has so many Tom Brady-like qualities to him. It's it's crazy. He's so cool, calm, and collected under pressure. I mean, that third and 11 conversion that they made to clinch the game, that throw he made with pressure in his face was just absolutely nails. Absolutely nails. After he took a bad sack, just incredible, incredible throw. The fact that his coach put the ball in his hands to make that throw, as opposed to playing conservative, just goes to show you what he thinks of his quarterback, and it paid off. Joe Burrow is that dude. Second, tough break for the San Francisco 49ers, a team that was coming on really, really strong. Really strong. But Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in the 33-17 win against the Miami Dolphins. That defense was ferocious. I know Tua Tungvaloa was missing both of his tackles, but still impressive showing by the San Francisco 49ers. I know there have been detractors for Kyle Shanahan, and I am part of that group sometimes. I think sometimes he just comes up small in big spots in the playoffs. But in the regular season with limited quarterbacks, I mean, he has an above 500 record with his backup quarterback playing. And Brock Purdy came in and played well. Do I think it's sustainable for a team that I thought could have easily gone to the Super Bowl? No, I don't think Brock Purdy is going to take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. I, I think they're going to miss Jimmy G, and I actually think that they're going to miss him this week. We'll get to picks against the spread in a second, but an impressive win for the 49ers, and we'll see what happens with Brock Purdy. But it's just a shame because I, I really thought that the 49ers team was rounding into form and on the short list for Super Bowl contenders. As for the Dolphins, Two had a rough game. It was a rough game. I, I didn't, you know, I thought he played okay in the first half. He had moments in the second half where he was very bad. It was a rough day. It was a rough day at the office for Tua. They're still 8-4. and four. I'm still super confident in them making the playoffs. And they still can win the division. You know, still in good standing in terms of the AFC playoff picture. I know Bill Simmons was talking about them being the ones to drop out. I just don't see it. And last but not least... And we've been saying this for years now. Tom Brady does it again. Pulls another game out of his ass. Tom Brady does it again on Monday Night Football. Down 16-3 to late in the fourth quarter against the Saints. Engineers two touchdown drives. 
He had done nothing all game. This Tampa Bay team is largely garbage. The offensive line's in shambles. The position players have been in and out. They can't run the ball. But against a division rival with a good defense, it just doesn't matter. Finds a way to win again. Some of the throws he made were absolutely money. I mean, the touchdown throw that he made that got called back for holding with 15 seconds left was such an incredible throw. And when it was happening, I was like, all right, fine. So they moved back five yards. Big freaking deal. They're going to score anyway. I mean, when he got the ball back with just over 230 left, down six after he just engineered the quick drive that got aided by a monster passing interference penalty in the end zone. It's just, what else can you say? We've been saying the same shit for 23 years already. It's nuts. He does it again. And I know I've lamented about the quarterback play this year, and Brady has not had a good year. But if you go around the NFL, besides for Mahomes, Allen, and Joe Burrow, who can you definitely say that if you had to win one game, you're taking before Tom Brady? I don't think there's anybody. Maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe Tua, but I'm not sure. Just it, It's incredible how good the guy still is, even though his stats may not show it. Tom Brady does it again. All right, so we 14 picks against the spread. Last week, I was 3-2. and two. Decided to back the Chargers. That was a mistake. So here we go. First off, we're going to back the Giants again. Plus seven at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. I just, home underdogs, that's the rule. I think everybody's going to be on the Eagles. I bet against the Eagles last week. They were incredibly impressive at home against the Tennessee Titans. They beat them up really good. Jalen Hurts was good. But I'm going to take the Giants here, plus seven, home underdog. At two, I got the Steelers, minus two and a half at home against the Ravens. The Steelers have found something a little bit. T.J. Watt is back. Kenny Pickett's playing well. And the Ravens, well, Lamar Jackson's going to miss one to three weeks. He's definitely missing this week. I don't trust this Ravens team at all. Steelers, minus two and a half. At three, I've got the Chiefs, minus nine against... At three, I got the Chiefs minus nine on the road against the Broncos. The Broncos just can't score. They can't fucking score. It is embarrassing what Russell Wilson has done for the Broncos this year. His defense must despise him. Because if they had scored 18 points in every game this year, 18 points, we're not getting to even 20. 18 points, it'd be eight and four. Broncos are an embarrassment. I know the Chiefs have trouble covering, and they've been largely bad against the spread, but I don't care. I'm backing the Chiefs this week, minus nine, even if it's in Denver. I know I like to back home underdogs, but I'm taking the Chiefs here. Another big number that I don't normally love taking, I got the Bills minus nine against the Jets. I just think this is going to be a revenge game. It's in Buffalo. Buffalo is rounding into form. I've got the Bills minus nine. And last but not least, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three against the 49ers in San Francisco. I know the 49ers have been super impressive. They've been on an incredible run. I just think Brock Purdy comes down to earth a little bit, and I think this win on Monday night will propel 
Tampa Bay to be a little bit better, even though I think it's limited. I think they're going to be a little bit better. So to recap, Giants plus seven, Steelers minus two and a half, Chiefs minus nine, Bills minus nine, Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Those lines are brought to you by Bet Online, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Last but not least, and we're going to do a lot more NBA, I think, next week. But a quick note on Anthony Davis. I know I've been very critical of Anthony Davis. And I know over the last two weeks, he's gone absolutely berserk. He's had two 50-point games in the last seven days, and he's been incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I know I'm getting chirped for it because I've been super anti-Anthony Davis. I will just remind everybody this, okay, who's now telling me that, you know, I need to apologize to Anthony Davis and whatnot. Okay, fine. A two-week stretch in December does not negate everything I've said about Anthony Davis. Is he a top 20 player in the league? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. So was that a little bit of hyperbole when I said he wasn't? Fine. He's proven that he's a top 20 player in the league. Right now he's playing like a top six or seven player in the league. But a two-week hot stretch in December, first of all, doesn't negate the fact that after the bubble, a season where he had four months to recover, he's been largely underwhelming for the Lakers. The fact that he started off this season not being able to hit a jump shot, and right now he's hitting all of his jump shots. So you're telling me that it is impossible that there's going to be a regression to the mean in terms of his jump shooting? I think so. Kudos to him for having a great stretch. But again, it's December, not April. Wake me up when it matters in April and May, okay? Wake me up when it matters. And just a quick reminder that in his first eight seasons as a member of the Pelicans, he made the playoffs twice and was only out of the first round once. So stop talking about him like he's Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, or even his contemporary Giannis, because it's not close. All right? Just enough already. And no, I don't need to apologize for my Anthony Davis takes. In fact, I'm just doubling down on it because everything I said is accurate all the time regarding him. Anyway, with that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about a little baseball offseason, how nervous we have to be about the Yankees. The Mets were in the news, and we're going to get to him in just a matter of moments. One last thing, one last little addendum before we bring on uh, this week's guest to talk a little baseball, a little offseason baseball. So I record this podcast in stages, in segments, and I had the pleasure of playing tennis tonight, got myself a win, had to work for it, but got myself a win. But there was an NBA game going on while I was playing tennis that I was super interested in watching, and that was Cavs-Lakers tonight. The Lakers have been playing good ball. As I mentioned before, even though I think everybody's getting a little carried away with it, Anthony Davis has been fantastic. So it was a game I wanted to monitor. And I'm driving home, and I see the score, and I'm looking at the box score, and I see Donovan Mitchell's going absolutely off. It was a little bit of a shame because Davis left the game with flu-like symptoms. It's tough. I mean, can't really clown him for that, especially after the stretch he just had. And by the way, just one quick thing on Anthony Davis. I know he had a 55-17 and 17 spot against the Washington Wizards. The game he played against the Milwaukee Bucks this weekend was the best game he played in three years. It was absolutely tremendous. A tremendous game. 
Uh, he and Giannis were basically going back and forth. I mean, those guys were doing like superhuman shit that night. Unbelievable. But anyway, so Davis has to sit and Donovan Mitchell's just going off. He's just going off. And this comes on the heels of the Knicks news that Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose are sort of out of the rotation, that Tibbs is shortening the rotation to nine players. And uh, it's Deuce McBride who's going to get most of the minutes, which is fine. Fine. I mean, you know, I, I don't think Derrick Rose has a – has a place on this team that's not going anywhere. They should be going with the youth movement. They should have been doing this before. But why why do I bring this up again? Because the Knicks were a prime consolidation trade candidate. They just have too many guys. They have too many guys, too many fourth or fifth men. You know, anytime you can pay Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier over $30 million a year combined to not play them, you have to do it. But yeah, the Knicks were a prime trade consolidation candidate. And the trade was out there for a 26-year-old all-NBA caliber player who, as I've mentioned before, is fourth in the last five years in fourth quarter scoring. But hey, we couldn't trade the extra first-round pick, and we couldn't give up R.J. Barrett, who is only 22 years old, shooting under 30% from three and about 40% from the field. We couldn't make that trade. Donovan Mitchell had 43 tonight, 43 points, 17 in the fourth quarter, was getting whatever he wanted. He added about five rebounds and five assists, but we couldn't pull the trigger when we were a prime candidate to consolidate the trade consolidate the roster by making a consolidation trade it was there for the taken i know i've ranted on this before but after watching the highlights tonight it just is so incredibly frustrating and it makes me freaking miserable that this godforsaken fucking franchise can't do anything right I told myself I wasn't going to rant about this again, but here we are. Here we are. I can't even enjoy this really fun Cavs team. Garland, Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, fun team. Because Donovan Mitchell should have been playing in New York City. But hey, R.J. Barrett's only 22. It's the worst. It's the absolute worst. I made this point earlier. New York sports from the year 2020 to 2030 has a chance to be the darkest decade in New York sports. The Rangers might have been on the cusp, but they're playing mediocre hockey. We'll see with them. Aaron Judge might be in San Francisco. The Mets are looking up. The Knicks are, are a freaking clown show. Jets and Giants, it's too early to tell, but it doesn't look like they're going to become Super Bowl contenders anytime soon. It's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. This Knicks thing sucks. It's the worst run team in professional sports. 
in the middle, purgatory, whatever you want to call it. Everybody needs to go. Tibbs needs to go. Leon Rose needs to go. And not trading for Donovan Mitchell is a franchise-altering mistake. They were at a fork in the road, and they chose poorly. Because they always fucking choose poorly. And tonight was just another example of that on display. But anyway, now that that I just needed to rant about that after watching the highlights tonight. I mean, he was absolutely incredible, and it's just, it makes me sick. Makes me sick to my freaking stomach that he's not playing for the New York Knicks. Now, with that said, we're going to talk a little MLB free agency, a little Yankees, a little Mets, the recurring guest in just a matter of moments. So, mentioned in the monologue, we are recording on a Wednesday evening. Your boy just played a rec league game, got some buckets, so a little bit delayed. We've got recurring guest Andrew Sender on to talk a little Yankees, some Mets, and some baseball offseason at large. Andrew, what's good, buddy? How we feeling? We're feeling pretty good. Got a little little scared last night, but, you know, today I woke up to some good news, so I'm a happy camper. So let's start there, okay? Going into this offseason, how confident were you in the Yankees re-signing Aaron Judge? What did you think the contract was going to look like? And then yesterday, when the John Heyman tweet went out, what was that feeling like for you? Well, I'm not going to lie. I was working at the Syracuse basketball game last night. I went to get a, grab a slice of pizza. I see all the guys around the counter just going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, what happened? And they're like, Aaron Judge just signed with the Giants. And I was kind of freaking out. I was at work. But I took a little bit of a deep breath. And then I kind of saw that it was obviously he, John Hammond jumped the gun. But, I mean, in the beginning of the offseason, you know, I, I've been saying for a while that I really thought he was going to go to the Giants because I just didn't think the Yankees had it in them to really go the extra mile. But, you know, I'm impressed. I really, really am. They really went the extra mile. They matched the Giants step for step and made sure they got their guy. My thing was I was getting less and less confident again. As I've said on this podcast, I've said, my friends, as I've said with you, I don't think very highly of this general manager. I don't think very highly of this owner. I will say of the two, I think it was more Hal Steinbrenner who made this happen than Brian Cashman. I think Brian Cashman did everything in his power to sabotage this. Uh, I think Brian Cashman has had a, a love affair with uh, Billy Bean and is jealous of Billy Bean in a sense where he tries to hit the home run on the bargain hunt when you're the New York Yankees and sometimes you just have to flex your muscle, but whatever. I Ultimately, they got it done. A small part of me, and again, maybe this is the masochist in me, that the New York sports fan in me, a small part of me was a little disappointed because I wanted to see Brian Cashman fall on his face. I wanted to see Hal Steinbrenner fall on his face. Uh, but that didn't happen. But again, this team is a, right now status quo. Status quo, ultimately, I think they did a good job here. I did not think that they were going to go the nine years. They ended up doing it. And here we are. Aaron Judge is back. I love the Billy Bean point. I, I mean, I've been saying it forever. You can tell. He he wants to sign the free agents, but I think that is totally on Hal. 
But I think there's part of him that's like he wants to move these mini pieces and that IKF trade. That was just a clear example of like you're trying to find something in, in the dirt, but it's not there. But um, but yeah, I mean, look, they went the nine years. I love it. You know, sometimes you just got to flex your muscles, as you said. You know, this is the New York Yankees. This is not the like, you know, the Minnesota Twins. We can go out and make splashes like this. And look, Judge earned it, you know. Kudos to him. He got the nine-year, $40 million deal that most people thought was coming for him, and he got to do it for the Yankees, which is really where he wants to play. What's really crazy, and again, we try not to cry over spilled milk, but you can't help but bring it up. But it's just like, and yeah, Judge is a homegrown guy. You know, the Judge's chambers. He's great with the fans. He He's really an unbelievable ambassador to the game of baseball. He's probably the face of, of Major League Baseball right now. But you look at this versus when the Yankees had the opportunity to sign Bryce Harper, which was a major miss, right? And you look back and you're just like, how did they not go the extra mile for Harper to pair with this guy, seeing what Harper's done in the playoffs recently? And it's just mind-boggling to me that, that they wouldn't do it then I'm happy they did it now, but like the job isn't done. Like it, it's basically running back the same team as last year. And that's just the hamster spinning its wheels. Like something eventually is going to have to change for this team to take the next step. Yeah. And I think honestly, if they would have gone out and gone Bryce, if they would have gone the extra mile, obviously we didn't know how salaries would get this crazy, but if they would have gone the extra mile to give him a little bit more money, they probably could have gone judge at a cheaper price. Cause they probably could have extended him. A year right. later, they because right. pro- then judge would be like, "Oh, I'll sign up to play with Bryce Harper any day," you know. So there is a ripple effect to it, and yeah, it, it really does suck that they were not willing to do it then when they had way more money than they do now. So there is that yeah. a little bit. It, it does sting a little, but look, at the end of the day, we got to be happy as fans. They went out and did exactly what we wanted them to do, and they're not done, which is awesome to hear they're still invested on other dudes which i love okay so let's talk about that right so now what the big fish has been reeled in um actually before we go there so john Heyman has the tweet that aaron judge is going to be a giant right he, he walks it back a couple of minutes later i honestly had like a little bit of a shit-eating grin because i legitimately thought when the smoke was sort of billowing a little bit, because he kind of were reading the tea leaves, like it was swaying that way. And John Heyman tweets it. And I honestly think that because he tweeted that, that woke the Yankees up, that it was serious. Like, I don't think the Yankees were going the extra year, the nine years until they saw that tweet. And I think that was just like, Oh boy, if they lose him, because they couldn't even like tear the whole thing down because Cole's got a no trade. Um, Stanton's got a no trade. They just brought back Rizzo. So it wasn't like they could tear the whole thing down. So they kind of boxed themselves in a corner. And I think actually we should all be thanking John Heyman. I know he gave a lot of Yankee fans heart attacks, but I think it was ultimately a good thing because it was just like, all right, like this is, this is going down unless we get a final offer here. And I think that's what pushed it over the edge. 
Yeah, I was talking to my friend about it. He's like, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone in Judge's team called Damon and told him to do it to do that. I was like, honestly, it's not the craziest thing of you know, it's he, not that he's crazy. Plugged in. Yeah. You know, Judge is a Boris guy. John Heyman's plugged it's... in with Boris. And I know everybody's gonna clown John Heyman for, you know, obviously sending out a false report, but first of all, all these guys miss all the time. Schefter misses, like these guys miss. It's the nature of the business, right? But yeah. it's I really don't think it was that big of a miss. I really think that he, he was kind of tipped off a little bit. He had an inkling. He went with it. You know, he's close with the guy's, with the guy's uh, agent. And then this was just like the Yankees kind of swooped in last minute and, and pushed it over the top to equal it. Yeah. I will say, though, and this was after he sent out the second tweet when he was like, oh, I jumped the gun. Sorry. I got really nervous because looking at Twitter, everyone's like, you know, screw this guy. He doesn't want to even be in New York. He's a fake. Like, like, go fuck himself. Like, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, like, don't say that. Because, like, you just, you never know, you know? Like, he might want to come to New York. And now you're all texting that or tweeting it. And it's, it looks bad. I, I was getting real nervous about that. But, yeah, I think that was definitely a wake-up call. I would love to know the Yankees' initial offer. Before oh, I, th- I, I, th- I think it was re- <clears throat> it was leaked. I think they were going to eight years. I actually think their their first offer was seven years oh, at God. about three hundred. And oh. then all of a sudden they were just like, "All right, like this isn't a joke anymore." Yeah. And that's when I think the the momentum was building towards somewhere else. I actually thought that, and we'll get to the Mets in a second. I thought the Mets were actually going to get in. I really thought the Mets were going to get in after Jake Degrom went to the Texas Rangers, um, but I thought the Mets were going to be in on it. And I thought the Giants were going to, you know, be in on it too, which they clearly were. And once they kind of got word that their seven years or eight years wasn't even going to get yourself close, like the John Heyman tweet, I think really solidified that. And they came over the top and they actually did it. I'm, I'm a little surprised to be totally honest. Just to go on the Mets point, <clears throat> I know people keep saying like, oh, they were in, they're in. I think they had no interest in this guy. I don't think they wanted anything to do with him because look, at the end of the day, Steve Cohen has a lot of money, but there's no such thing as unlimited money. If he spends an extra $1 million, he will be getting taxed a hundred percent or I think 50% every dollar he spends. You cannot have a five hundred million dollar payroll because then it's going to come out to like yeah, but, uh, but seven fifty. Right, but the Degrom money is off the books now, so it kind of yes. But then the Verlander money is back on. Yeah, you're paying right. Verlander forty three million. You're gonna have three guys making forty million dollars. I don't think so. Like Steve, the Padres Cohen's not are going to have that. We'll get to them in a second, but the Padres are going to have that. But the, the Padres have that. The Padres are going to have that, but they don't pay anyone else. The Mets have to pay. Francisco Lindor. They're right. going to have to pay. Brandon Nimmo. There's so many. Pete Alonso's coming well, up I, I actually There's... think Brandon Nimmo's gone. I think he's going to be. I don't think he is. Well, well, we'll get to the Mets in a second. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with Aaron Judge and the Yankees. All right. So I thought the Mets were going to be in on it. Obviously, the Giants were in on it. The Padres apparently were in on it because they have unlimited money. I don't know where that comes from. Um, so now that, he, now that Judge is back, again, I mentioned before, We've talked about this. We've harped on this. It's the same team over and over again. What are what are the next moves? Because there have to be some. Here's what I'll say. I know people want to go after Rodon. I think it is critical 
to get either Reynolds or Benintendi. If you don't get either one of those, you can kiss the season you. goodbye. Goodbye. Like they could live, and I, I'm you texted this to me earlier today. They could live off of Cole, Sevi, and Nestor. They can live on that. That's so doable, and I agree. But if you don't get Reynolds or Benintendi, this season is a wash. It will be the same team that we watched in the postseason last year. They need to go after either one of those guys. And I think Reynolds is the right decision, just for I guess my opinion. I'd be very happy with Benintendi back. I think part of the reason why we were so despondent over the Yankees was because the injury and we spoke about, it. I think that injury sunk their season because he was the one guy who kind of does what everybody else doesn't do. Right. He was the, he was the table setter. And I think obviously he started off super cold with the Yankees. I think with a full season, he'd be hitting 290. Like he'd be excellent. I would focus there. I know everybody wants the big starting pitcher. I get that. And they could really use a good lefty. But to me, it's not the starting pitching. Assuming you can replicate most of what you got last year from Nestor and and Sevy had moments and he'll be back a full season. You hope Bontis gives you something. You can find fourth and fifth starters, right? You can find those guys. They need to have another another bat in the outfield that doesn't strike out all the time. And they need to do whatever they have to do to get rid of Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks, who, by the way, if you combine their money, they're making the same money as Bryce Harper, which is why it's so incredibly aggravating. Yeah, no, it's – um. I mean, Josh Donaldson is just – it's killing the vibes. It really is because that's $25 million that we Terrible. have allocated anywhere else. And, yeah, look, I agree with you. When it comes to the fourth and fifth starters, we have guys. Look, at the end of the day, Clark Schmidt, he looked nasty last year. He was just pitching out of the bullpen, put him back in the starting role. You got guys down there like Heal that can give you winnings. Even Davey, obviously, he hasn't been good lately, but – they're guys that have had major league experience. And at the end of the day, we still have Frankie Montas. Like we keep forgetting about this. Frankie Montas is still there. I know you just mentioned him, but like, he's still a dude. Like he can give you a lot of innings and look, then he come down to one more starter. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it's so pivotal to get Reynolds or Benintendi. They need another contact bat the ball guy. They, they, uh, it, it'll be interesting though. If they go after a starter, like at the back end, like you saw what Tyone got from the Cubs, and you're just like, geez, like that's a that's a crazy number. So maybe maybe the market's inflated. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, my big thing if they're going to look for a starter is try to trade Glaber Torres for a starter as best as possible. I, I know you're probably not going to get the blue chip guy you thought you were going to get, but I, I just think he's the odd man out especially if you're going to be holding on to Volpe and Peraz and these guys, like he's the odd man out. You hope DJ LeMayu is healthy or you hope that those guys can contribute right away. If they're not on the opening day roster, then we're doing it all wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think, I think, um, I mean, a great package deal. I don't know if Miami would accept it, but, or really just any team, but like, you know, a B-level starter for Glaber Torres and Peraza because I love Peraza, but we don't really need him on this team. Like he doesn't, he doesn't fit the pieces that we really need right now, especially for the season, at least like 
We have Volpe. We have other guys. Like, Cabrera could play third. Like, we can move people around. LeMay, you could play third. So, I really want to focus in on getting rid of Torres. And it's not because Torres doesn't do his job, but it's more because we don't need him. You know, it's like... He's superfluous. Yeah, like, if we have Torres, then DJ LeMay, who has to sit. Like, it's crazy. It's like... What in what world would we want DJ LeMahieu to sit or Glaber Torres for that matter? So right. it really is important to try to get rid of Torres, especially because it'd be clearing up nine million dollars in in salary because he's in arbitration. Most players are at that type of age and production, probably nine to ten million dollar range. So it's a lot of money that you can open up to maybe get another starter. And ultimately, Hal Steinbrenner made this happen, probably protecting his investment and what Judge means to the franchise. I don't think he really cares about winning that much. I just think it's all about the bottom line. And But kudos to him because he got it done because I don't think uh, Brian Cashman, who just signed a four-year extension for God knows what reason. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't a fan of that one. Not a fan of, of the brain trust in general. But kudos to Hal Steinbrenner for getting it done. On to the Mets. Where the vibes, even though Jake DeGrom leaves for the Texas Rangers, five years, 185, I think the vibe, and I, I was listening to the New York, New York podcast with Jastrzemski, who's generally pretty good. I like his stuff about baseball specifically. This wasn't on the Mets. Like, if Jake wanted to stay, they would have given him the same amount or more. It's just Jake didn't stay. But the Mets in the past would have pivoted and be like, oh my God, woe is me and wouldn't have done anything and would have cried themselves to sleep like they did with Jose Reyes back in the day. Now it's a new regime and they're in win now mode. So I love the Verlander signing on a short-term signing for them. You know, it, it really just, their window is two, three years anyway, right? So at that point, does it matter? I loved what the Mets have done. Even if they let uh, what's his name Nimmo walk and do a little cheaper of a um, of a deal there and, and bargain hunt a little bit, I think the Mets are going to be willing to trade prospects. Where are you at with the Mets and their long term outlook for the next two to three years? Because I think it's better than the Yankees. I think it's awesome. You know, I, I am such a huge fan of the two year throw all the money at a guy. Because look, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, it's two years. And right. look, here's the thing. People can cry and moan about Jacob DeGrom. The best ability is availability. Justin Verlander will play a lot more baseball than Jacob DeGrom. And even though Verlander is not the healthiest guy in the world, he has proven that he can stay on the field and he will be there for October and he will pitch real well in October. And and Jake didn't want to be there. He had enough. And that's another thing. Jake didn't want to be there. And you know what? If you're a Mets fan, you could be like, Bye, buddy. You're on the Texas Rangers now. You're on the Texas Rangers who just overpaid two guys. Like, why would you want to be a part of that? But you know what? Whatever. If I was a Mets fan, I'd be so happy right now. Your team is awesome. You got two young studs in Beatty and and Alvarez. You can either flip or play. You got a great team. I love the Mets team. I think it's a fantastic roster. And look, Edwin Diaz, in retrospect, that's not a bad deal considering how much Chapman made, you know, like to only no. go up $4 million for a guy that's actually lights out, not because he throws hard, but because he's got good stuff. That's important. You know, like Chapman overpowering people, people were going to get used to it. The game was evolving. People were starting to throw fast now, but guy like Diaz, who's just 
all filth is it's a great deal. I I I, I love this this Mets team. I really do. And that kills no, me to say as a Yankee fan. Yeah, no, it, it the vibes around the Mets team are so much better than the vibes around the Yankees. It's it's like the roles are reversed. It's it's in, it's incredible. Um, what's next for the Mets? I do think Nimmo's going to walk. The numbers that are being reported for Nimmo are insane. I don't I don't think the Mets need to do that. I think they can. Where could they replace Nimmo in the outfield? Um, Nimmo in the outfield. I mean, as of right now, they've got Canna, Marte. Marte could slide to center. Yeah. Who? Who? I don't even. I don't even know who their third outfielder would be. It would be Marte, Canna. Oh man, I don't. I don't even know who the third outfielder would be. I'm not sure. But look, to be honest, I heard the Nimmo numbers are crazy. And look, Nimmo is my favorite player in baseball. I love it. I love the the sprint to first base when you get a walk. This guy truly loves the game, and he gets better every single year. Oh, and you know what? They could play McNeil in the outfield. So, right. If and, and look, I know they want to get McNeil back in the infield, but worst case, you put him in the outfield. And look, there's still a lot of guys left. But I just want to say, with the Mets, I think my so far my favorite signing, the Jose Quintana deal. Jose Quintana had a fantastic season. All the Mets needed last year was a lefty. They got their lefty for $13 million. Yeah. That's no, a fantastic deal. And he has a track record. He's just, he hasn't been healthy. It's a fantastic deal. I, I, I saw that and I was like, wow. Like, kudos. Really Especially awesome if you see, deal. If you see the numbers that Taiwan Walker got, yeah. like you're. Taiwan Walker, Jamison Tyon. I'd rather have Quintana over both of them. Yeah. Personally, yeah, just no. as a baseball guy, the Mets, the Mets are are in such great position, and and they're just doing things smart. It's just, it, it's really impressive to see. Like I, I never thought that I'd be jealous of a, of the Met fan, but once Steve Cohen bought that team, the whole vibe flipped, and you're seeing it right now. So kudos to the Mets. Obviously, it hurts to see. A guy like Degrom, you know, leave. Obviously, he's a he's a icon. He's probably the he's probably the second best player in the team's history. He put up great numbers for them. They did him wrong. The old regime did him wrong. Cost him about fifty wins or so over the years. But he didn't want to be there. And good for the Mets for pivoting. They weren't going to grovel. Good for the Mets for pivoting. Their window is now anyway. Fantastic job by the Mets. The Phillies. The Phillies, you know, big money for Trey Turner. He turned down the Dodgers, who were probably offering the same thing. He turned down the Padres, who were offering a little bit more. How about the Phillies? I got to say, that is such a fantastic deal. You really, you got to break it down into a piece and you just have to think, Aaron Judge, $40 million, Trey Turner, $27 million. To get this guy for $27 million is an unbelievable deal. Anthony Rendon's making like 34 I think, 32 Well, that's the worst contract in the sport. But I'm, but I'm just saying, you know, like Trey Turner is the five, the legit five-tool player. And this he's what, guy 26? is he's 27 years old or 28 years old. I mean, it's – pretty. Yeah, it was a, it's a pretty good – it is an Five. awesome deal, yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's Mets fans are probably shaking about this, but man, oh man, 
that division is going to be awesome to watch. You got the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets. And look, scary enough, I know the Marlins are not very good, but you got to face Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a dude, I'll, I'll you know? Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's awesome. By the way, all these numbers being thrown out just goes to show you what kind of sorcery the Braves are doing and the contracts that they were able to sign guys to. And yeah, they, they may have to take care of Dansby Swanson soon or this off season, but like Austin Riley, they got on a ridiculous deal. Um, what's his name? Just signed a, a below market value deal. Riley. Riley. We, we said Riley. Riley, um, Acuna. It was Riley Acuna and, and Albies, all three of them, all three of them signed seven year deals. And look, this is something that I, I spoke to you about with the Yankees. It's the, the the ripple effect of not getting Harper. Because if they were to sign Harper, right, then you could have given Judge that seven-year deal, that almost bridge deal-like. But because you didn't do that, the guy sees no future. And he's like, you know what? I want to test free agency. But with the Braves, it's like, hey, look, we're going to give you this deal two years into your career. You're playing great. We look really good. Let's throw, we'll throw a good amount of money at you, but way be below the market value. But you'll be secured for seven years. And now they got three franchise players under that deal. And it's 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 great. It's great work by their GM. I'm not sure who he is, but it's great work. Where is the Padres money coming from? Because it was reported that Judge got a 10-year $400 million offer from the Padres. Where's the money coming from? Because they had... They're already paying big dollars to Tatis unless they can get out of that contract because of the steroids thing. I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work. They're already paying Machado, right? They're about to pay Soto, who they just traded for. Where is the where's the dollars coming from? I just looked this guy's name up, Peter Seidler. I mean, he I'm not sure who this guy is, but man, does he have you know, big balls. He's just going for everyone. And you know what? Look, I love it. He knows, you know, as an owner, you got to send sometimes, hey, you know what? We're one guy away. And they're making those deals. Because look, at the end of the day, you can say all you want about prospects. They don't always pan out. So sometimes you just got to go get a guy like Soto. And sometimes you got to spend a little, a little extra money, especially for a team like San Diego, which is a city that, you know, if the team's not that great, ticket sales are not going to be that good. But if the team's good, they're going to bring people in. That's how most stadiums work. So he's seeing it. You know, you can maybe get a little money here or there. Good TV deals. They have great exposure on social media. Like he's seeing something and he's he's willing to put it all out there, which I respect a lot. And hey, you know what? Maybe it'll pay off. Maybe they win a World Series and then all this is worth it. It's going to be interesting uh, couple of days at the winter meetings. Obviously, there's still guys out there. There's still going to be trades. So just to wrap this up, for the Yankees, if you had to power rank, now the judge is back, if you had to power rank their top three needs and their top your top three wants to fill those needs, how would that look? Um, I want an outfielder for sure. You know, obviously Benintendia Reynolds. Pitcher is gonna be second only because I feel like everything else is kind of kind of good. I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, I'd love Rodon, but like I don't think that's really an option as much as they say it is. I don't think the Yankees are gonna be willing to give this guy thirty million dollars. So if not a pitcher, I mean, look to me, I love the what's it called the Canely signing. Love that. 
I would love another bullpen arm. I think, you know, we really got exposed last year when our bullpen did get hurt and it would be nice to have, you know, an extra arm or two, I guess there. But other than that, I mean, look, it was all about getting judge and then another bat to ball hitter. And it looks like that's what they're trying to do. So hopefully they get it done. Well, kudos to them. Hopefully they're other moves though, because I'm really tired of the hamster spinning its wheels. And yes, a sick part of me actually wanted them to screw this up. I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this, by the way. No, I, for sure not. I mean, my friend also texted me. He was like, God, I really hope Judge signs with the Giants. It would just be awesome. The day after he signs his four-year deal. I And honestly, I truly wonder, how much money is Brian Cashman making? Like, this guy, I would love to know how much this guy is making just to stroke checks all day. You know, like, I could do that. <laughs> Give me that job. I'll do it for free. Terrible. Man, it's, Terrible. it's crazy. I, I, I can't believe he's back. I can't believe Boone is going to be back. I can't believe we're going to have more of the same shit. But I'll give credit where credit is due. Hal strapped up his big boy pants. And yeah, the last couple of years of the contract won't won't look great, but it is what it is. Like That's the price of doing business now in the sport. And they're the New York freaking Yankees. It's a $7 billion industry with all things considered. Oh, one last thing. One last thing. We'll get you out on this. Are you as nervous about the long longevity of the contract? Obviously, nine years is a lot, but am I crazy to think that with modern medicine and you know the way these guys train now, that he can be better into his mid thirties longer? Like, is that crazy to think? Look, people keep forgetting the guy came up as a twenty-six year old. He has not played that much baseball. Right, we're twenty-four years old. He has not played a lot of baseball, so. I don't think it's that big of an issue. And look, we also don't know the details of the contract. I've been saying this forever. Is it front-loaded? Is it back-loaded? What is it? I don't know what it is. It might have been shown. I just have not seen it. Because if it's a front-loaded deal, then this looks great. Because honestly, I would pay $50 million to have Aaron Judge. Not because of the things that happen on the field, but the things in off the field. Like you said, the judges' chambers and just all the revenue that he brings to a to a baseball team, it's worth $50 million. So there's a lot that goes into it for me, but yeah, I mean, he's really big. He's a big dude. I'm not really sure how he'll hold up when he's 38, 39, but sometimes you got to do these types of deals to get the guys you want, especially during their prime. And he's 100% still in his prime. So, you know, look, if they win one championship, makes it all worth it. it. It's all worth it. Cause you will make your money back in that one championship. You'll make even more. So just get me one. And I'm so happy. And that's how you validate the contract. Yeah, 100%. That's how you validate it. It's, it's the A-Rod treatment. It's the Teixeira treatment. It's the Sabathia treatment. I mean, Sabathia was, was great for most of that deal anyway. But that's what it is. All right, Andrew. I guess it wasn't – when we spoke yesterday, I thought it was going to be a little bit more doomsday, um, even though a part of me kind of was hoping for the doomsday. Uh, but here we are. We're going to be uh, watching Aaron Judge play baseball for his entirety of his career in the New York Yankees uniform. He's going to be the next captain of the year, so uh, next captain of the team. So that's good. And hopefully they don't squander this, and hopefully this isn't it. And uh, we'll see what they do. But uh, obviously if there's any other big news in Yankee land, we'll have to talk to you about it. And I expect you to you know, be as, uh, as quick to respond and, and schedule time as you were this time. So thanks so much for doing it, bud. 
Yeah, no, this is great. And hopefully they, you know, stay aggressive and just go for it. I want to see some good things this year. We hope. We hope. That's Andrew Sender. going to send them out. Thanks so much for doing it again. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks again to recurring guest Andrew Sender for coming on in a pinch to talk about Yankees offseason, Mets offseason, hot stove news as a whole. Good for the Yankees for retaining Aaron Judge, even though I still kind of wanted them to screw this up. But that's episode 187. For the love of the game, take us out. Pete Rock and CL Smooth. My grandma Pam holds the family together. My uncle Doc's the greatest. Better get the latest. If we're talking about a car, Uncle Sterling got the latest. I strive to be live because I got no choice. And run my own business like my Aunt Joyce. So Pete Rock hit me. Enough respect to when they reminisce over you. Listen. Listen. Just listen to the funky songs as I rock on and as word is born. I'm not playing, everybody just pulling this song we dedicate to the one and only. Never be another, he was my brother. Trouble T. Roy, it's like that, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.